love it. It's so good to be back. You know, I was, uh, I, was, I was thinking about how I was so excited last week to tell you about my vacation, and now I just want to tell you about how I'm negative, okay? And so, oh man, what a world we live in. But hey, I'd love to open our time today. Um, I've got a lot to share with you. I've got three weeks worth of messages to share. If you need to uh, get some coffee at any point during the message, feel free to go. Um, but I'd like to open us up today, just making most of our time, uh, with two scriptures, one from John chapter 14 and one from 1 Peter chapter 4. Help prime the pump in what God is going to be teaching us today. And so this is uh, John chapter 14. It says this. Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. All right, so today we are wrapping up our series called Let Me Explain. And, and I... We were actually supposed to wrap it up last week, but because of the interruption, I had to kind of decide, what are we going to be doing? But I just felt like the encouragement from the scriptures today is too important for you to miss. And today we're going to be wrapping up this series. Let me explain why we do what we do the way we do. And in it, we have been taking a closer look, as you know, at some of the standard practices of the church, the stuff that we do in here that might feel foreign to some of those out there and potentially unclear even for some of us inside. And we've covered everything from, you know, why we go to church every week, to why we read our Bibles, to why we take communion, to why we are baptized, to why we sing, to even why we give money to what God is doing in this specific church community. And so if you're just joining us, I know some of you have been here a couple weeks and I wasn't around, but if you've been missing any of this, please go back and check out some of the messages. We have a, a podcast on our website under media. You can also go to, back to our YouTube channel and watch all of the messages. They're all cropped down so you can just watch the message. Um, because today we are moving on. We're finishing up this series, let me explain. Talking about not only why we do something, but more importantly, how. Today we're talking about the how as God's people that ultimately gives way to every other week that we've processed throughout this series. And that is the how, the often misunderstood, often neglected, abused, or idolized filling of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that come along with. And so let me explain as we close out this series the how. Let me explain spiritual gifts and how we do what we do. Now, some of you, depending on your background, your, your church history, your church tradition, whatever, some of you might be thinking, listen, I, I know the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I'm not real sure where you're going with this. 
And I, I'm not real sure why this matters. I mean, we've got the Bible now, and I'm, I'm following Jesus. What's the point of talking about spiritual gifts? They seem a little weird. And listen, if that's you, I get it. I do. Like, I, I grew up in a really solid, balanced church, but for most of my life, when I heard about things like spiritual gifts or being filled with the Holy Spirit or receiving these gifts from God, the whole thing seemed really confusing to me. I mean, I knew that there were some really excitable people in church that like to raise their hands when we sing those songs, Fran. I knew that there were some of those excitable people in worship that like to say, praise you, Jesus, in the middle of the song. I knew at Bible camp that there were those like really intense emotional moments on Friday nights where they kept playing the same song over and over and over till everyone made their way to the front and got saved again. I know this. Amen. <laughs> but listen, I, I believed, I, I knew and I believed that the Spirit was real. Obviously, it's in the Bible. But now we have the Bible and so growing up, I didn't always really understand the Spirit's role. The Holy Spirit, which is, which is God. I didn't understand God's role through his spirit. And so things like gifts and filling and miracles growing up, man, they just seemed a bit too unpredictable. As good Baptists, right, a bit too supernatural for my Midwestern post-enlightenment mind. And it did seem supernatural because, well, it is supernatural, this new life we have in Christ. And so if there's one thing I need you to understand today as we wrap up this series talking about why we do and how we do these things, if there's one thing I need you to understand today that will likely sound totally wild and crazy for anyone outside these church doors, and maybe even some of us inside, it's this. That if you are a Christian... And, and as a church, we define a Christian as someone who has given their life to Jesus, someone that has been saved by his grace through your faith. If you are a Christian, then Scripture says that God as the Holy Spirit now supernaturally lives within you. This is not a passive, long-distance relationship with God. No, your heart is now a dwelling place for the one true God who poured oceans and formed mountains and created systems to hold everything together. And it's this occupation from the Holy Spirit now living within us that makes us who we are. It's this occupation that makes us us more than any study, any denominational affiliation, more than any good deed or self-sacrifice, more than any family background or degree or social status, more than any other thing, friends. It is the Holy Spirit occupying our hearts that is the foundation for identifying and defining God's people. So hear me when I say, the Holy Spirit is not just some weirdly mystical second cousin of God that we experience during emotional moments. It's also not some one-trick pony lying dormant, waiting around for us to die so we can go to heaven. The Holy Spirit makes us who we are. The Holy Spirit makes us us and lives in us to bring focus and meaning and power and direction to everything we do. And what's so cool and again, so, so often misunderstood or neglected or 
feared or obsessed over or idolized, what's so often misunderstood is that this living presence of God that we heard just a moment ago in 1 Peter 4, this living presence of God has given each of you a gift. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Corinthians 12 backs this up, saying in verse 7 that a spiritual gift has been given to each of us. Each of us. To who? To each of us. Good. To all who believe. To all who have been saved by grace through faith, the young and the old, the sinner and the saint, to everyone in between. If you are with Jesus, then you have received a gift from the Holy Spirit of God. You have. Like it or not, believe it or not, feel it or not, it is there. A gift waiting from his great variety just to be discovered. God has given each of us a gift, but why? Have you ever wondered, like, why would, go through, why would God go through the trouble in creating this system of, of saving and filling and gifting his people? Why would God go through the trouble? Well, that's what I'm hoping to get to the bottom of as we break down the rest of our time today. So we all might have a better understanding for why, but also how we do what we do. So, okay, as we continue, let me explain. Starting first uh, with a bit of context for the gifts found in Matthew chapter 28 and Acts chapter 1. I hope you have more than one note card because you're going to need it today. So, in the story of God, found in the scriptures. After Jesus is raised from the dead by the power of what? The Holy Spirit, good, the same spirit that occupies us. After Jesus is raised from the dead, but before he returns to heaven, he calls this final meeting with his followers. And, and he gives them, in it, he gives them this incredible mission that's called the Great Commission. Y'all are doing awesome. And what was the objective of this mission? Matthew chapter 28. Jesus tells them to go right? To go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and so Jesus, he gives this great mission, this great commission to his people, to us across all space and time, to the church. And then he says, all right, guys, I got to go, but don't worry, I will always be with you. Because the promised helper, we just read this in John chapter 14, the promised helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, he's going to come, and he's going to give you everything you need. Everything you need to do what? To catch a bunch of fish for these fishermen? Everything you need to be famous and rich, to live to 120? What, 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 is, what is the Holy Spirit going to give them everything they need for? It says that the, the Spirit will come and give you everything you need to fulfill this incredible mission to fulfill their role and their place within this incredible great commission that they have been assigned. And that's exactly what we see in Acts chapter 1. Jesus says on the screen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This connects us back to the great commission, okay? You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then, context, almost done. Just like that, Jesus supernaturally, again, this is real, supernaturally teleports up into the sky, hidden by the clouds, and his disciples are left waiting. Waiting for 
the Holy Spirit, the promised advocate and helper to come and give them everything they need. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait until finally the festival of Pentecost comes. And this is Acts chapter 2. It'll be on the screen. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Come, Holy Spirit, supernatural birth of the church. And this right here, this moment, literally changed everything. Why? Because it changed them. God, for the first time, now lives within his people. And, and they were filled with power, just like Jesus said, and the kingdom of God was now breaking in around them because God's presence, his rule and reign, was now with them. So the church gathered, the spirit comes like fire, lands on them, fills them with power, and next thing you know, some pretty wild stuff starts to happen, right? They start talking in what's called other tongues. But why? Why did God give them this gift? What was the point? Here we go. Acts 2, after verse 4, it says that Peter, that he stands up, filled with power of the Holy Spirit, and, he's, and he begins to preach to a crowd, and in the scripture it says, a God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And so Peter, he gets up, and he preaches to this people that were gathered in Jerusalem from all over the ancient world to celebrate Pentecost, the Jewish festival, Pentecost. What does this mean? It means that there were a lot of people there, a lot of people that spoke a lot of different languages. And Peter, filled with the Spirit, filled with power, being able to speak in these different tongues, he, he begins to preach to, a, uh, to the crowd the good news of Jesus. And somehow, it says, that these people were able to understand. They were able to understand what he was saying in their native language. And it says they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart by what they heard, resulting in more than 3,000 people being added to the church that day, 3,000 people being saved, 3,000 people being baptized, and moving forward as the church. Absolutely amazing. Now, bringing it back to the mission that Matthew 28, when Jesus was describing the commission, he said, go to all nations, to make disciples, and to baptize them into this new way, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what did we just see happen in Acts chapter 2? In this one moment, this single moment, Peter spoke to all nations. He made disciples, and he baptized them. In this single moment, Peter was able to participate and take ground in this great mission from Jesus, all because the Spirit came and gave him this gift. And this, friends, in its simplest explanation, is why God fills us with power and gives us gifts. And it's actually quite practical, supernatural, of course, but, but still practical. And it's really this, that God has a mission. And if you are with Jesus, if you are with God, then now you have a mission too. Matthew 28 
a great commission with him to go and reflect his glory and goodness out into the world to all you encounter and invite them to come and discover what it means to be alive. This is what it means to make disciples. As you are a disciple, to go all nations and baptize them into his way of life. And this is our why as a church, to be carriers of the kingdom of God wherever you go so the world might see God through your life. And, and I'm not just talking about the world hearing about God through your mouth. Steve Johnson, my dad, preached last week about how love is so much more than just the words you say. It's the life you imitate. And so I'm not just talking about telling the world about Jesus with your mouth, but supernaturally revealing God through the way you live your life. This is the mission that we have been given, to show the world what God is really like. But this mission that we have been given, it requires some tools. It requires some training and some power. This mission requires a how. How will we do this? So God sends us a spirit to fill us, empower us, direct us, and gift us to go and step into this great commission. And that's exactly what we saw in 1 Peter 4. Uh, one more time, it's on the screen, I think. That God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Pause there, to serve one another when? As you make your way on this great endeavor with God. Everything about the Christian life is mission with him. And so use it well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God were speaking, God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Then everything you do, the scripture says, everything you will do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And this is why we have been given spiritual gifts or these special abilities from God through the filling of the Spirit. We are gifted to grow in intimacy and in reflection with God, but then go to show the world what God is really like. To love God and to love our neighbor. It's not about us. These gifts that we've been given, they're not about us. They're not about feeling good or making much of our name. It's not about being weird or, <laughs> or interesting on a Friday night at camp. It's not about being important or famous or even doing good for the world. The gifts we've been given, they're all about God. They're all about God revealing his goodness to the world through us as we participate in his mission. And this is why. But, okay, with all that said, if God promises to give gifts from a great variety of spiritual gifts, and we know that everyone gets one, or more than one, and we know that God moves in this way for this reason, the next, I would say, the next question that we need to address is really, well, then what are the gifts that God actually gives? Because in Acts 2, some pretty wild things, again, are shown by the early church from the Holy Spirit. I mean, they were able to supernaturally speak in other languages so those there might understand the good news of Jesus, right? So what else do we see mentioned in the scriptures? Well, this is where it gets uh, a little interesting and confusing and sometimes a little heated depending on where you got your degrees. But stick with me for a moment. 
because all I'm doing is presenting what the scripture says. This passage from Corinthians 12 and 14 is such good news. Check it out. And it's a lot of Bible, but just hang with me. The Apostle Paul writes, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Jump down to verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Help each other do what? To play their part in this great commission, the great commandment that God has given us. Verse 8, to one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to, uh, to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives some, someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Jump down to verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Why? To push the mission forward. One more verse from 1 Corinthians 14. In spite of all of this, verse 14, verse 1, let love be your highest goal but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Okay, has anyone ever read that passage in their Bibles before? Yeah, is everyone feeling really good right now? I'm going to have Taylor and Emma come up right now and sing the same chorus over and over until everyone comes on down and gets saved again. <laughs> All right. So what did we just see here? Well, quick caveat before we dig into some details. First of all, I need you to know that while this list from Corinthians is expansive, there was a lot listed here, um, we don't actually believe this list is exhaustive, meaning that this is all that God can give or do. We believe the Spirit is still moving and filling and gifting without limitation, and so while this is a certainly a descriptive list, we don't believe that this list limits the gifts God can give. So, with that said, what can we learn from this list? Uh, well, we learn that each gift is designed and distributed to help one another, to help one another on this great mission from God. The gifts build the church and advance the mission. I'm going to say it one more time. The gifts build up the church and they push forward the mission of God. 
Verse eight, to one person, the spirit gives the ability of wise advice, wisdom, spiritual gift of wisdom. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Verse nine, the spirit gives the gift of faith, healing, miracles, and verse 10, something that's a little interesting, the gift of prophecy. Now, I know this one might sound a little weird because when I was growing up in the 90s, like there was this movie that came out called The Prophecy with Christopher Walken, and it was all about like how the world was gonna end. And so anytime I heard the word prophecy, I was instantly brought back to this moment, and I was, I was, I was scared. It felt very fatalistic. It felt like weird fortune-telling to me. Anybody else? No, of course not, because you know the Bible better than me, okay. But listen, if you read your Bibles, this word prophecy has nothing to do with predicting the future. This gift that's given, instead, it simply means to proclaim, not predict, but to proclaim God's heart into a moment. To proclaim God's heart into a situation. It is forth-telling, not foretelling. It's speaking on God's behalf, his greatest dream for someone or something. And while I don't personally have this gift from God, I can tell you that this gift has touched my life in, in some pretty massive ways. For example, after Rebecca and I had first gotten married, I was working as a worship pastor at a church in Northeast Minneapolis. And, um, and one day my boss, my pastor, he called me and he was just like, hey, I, I, I need to talk to you about something that God has really been putting on my heart to share with you. And um, I said, okay, great, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear it. And so we get in his office and I sit down and he says, David, I just, I just want you to know that I feel like God has told me to tell you that, that something new is coming for your family and you need to be ready for it. That something new is coming and you need to be ready to move on. And at the time, listen, I was working for him and my insecurities were already at about 100. And so he tells me this, and I'm immediately thinking that he doesn't want me to work with me anymore. And so, and so I was already on edge, but then he says, out of nowhere, he just says, I just want you to know, it's not that I don't wanna work with you. He said, I just believe that God has something new for your life. Something new is coming up. And you know what? He did. Because from there we moved to Wisconsin. God opened our eyes to this new thing. And we moved to Wisconsin where we started a church and 10 years later, it eventually brought us out here by way of another really beautiful prophetic moment when I was um, in Sweden of all places. God moves. But in both of these moments, my pastor, my friends, they weren't just, they weren't predicting the future. This isn't a fatalist thing here. But they were revealing to me through the Holy Spirit that God had plans for Rebecca and I. New plans in our participation within his mission. See, it all comes back around to the mission of God. It all comes back around to this great commission. And this is the gift of prophecy. It's a supernatural encouragement where, to step into where God is leading. It's, it's pretty cool. And I imagine it's why Paul in Corinthians, he says that everyone should desire it because it keeps all of us in line with what God has next for us. And it builds up the body to better serve the mission. Beautiful gift. Now from there, Corinthians 12, sorry, we're back. Um, we see the gift of discernment, which is essentially someone on the other side of prophecy being able to discern whether that encouragement is from God or from our own brains. Then we see the gift of speaking in unknown languages, like we just saw in Acts chapter two, and the gift of interpreting what's being said of these unknown languages. 
followed by the gifts of teaching, shepherding, leadership, helping, mercy, love, generosity, and the, finally the gift of tongues. And this is like the mothership of controversy within church circles. Um, uh, but tongues is essentially described in Corinthians as a unique prayer language that helps build up an individual, an individual believer to greater intimacy with God. So where, where prophecy builds up another believer to better participate in the mission, tongues builds up an individual believer to participate in the mission. And these are the gifts that we have listed here in Corinthians. And I know that this is just a quick overview of the specific gifts mentioned. And it might see that I'm, I'm brushing over some of the things that you're passionate about. I wish I had more time to give, but ultimately what I'm hoping you can take away from this, this section, this passage, is first and foremost that it is still the Spirit of God who decides and distributes the gifts. There's a lot of gifts in the great variety of spiritual gifts, but there is one God, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. So the list is expansive. We see it here, and the gifts support the mission, but it is he, the Holy Spirit, that decides which gift each person should have. And this is vital for us to understand as it breaks down the barriers and the walls that we build up around the spiritual gifts. Just like it's God's mission that we have been invited into, it's God's decision which role we play in it. The, the one and only Spirit of God who gives the gifts, he alone decides what a person should have. And while Paul tells us that we should seek, earnestly seek, the most helpful gifts, Paul says that we should all seek prophecy, that we should all seek tongues and desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives. The reality is it's still the Spirit's decision you don't get to choose. It's not like God gave you a gift card when you got saved to go to Target and pick out your favorite, okay? It doesn't work that way. It's actually so much better. It's so much better than that because here's how it goes. Friends, the only God of the universe that made you and saved you and is actively refining you, he knows you better than you know yourself. This God knows you and will give you everything you need to have your greatest possible impact for his kingdom mission. And so while it isn't equal opportunity based on what sounds fun or cool or even what most might align greatest within our own natural talents or passions, it's not equal opportunity. The gifts are equal empowerment. We've all been given the same power from God to go and show the world what he is really like and to help one another along the way on God's great mission to seek and save the lost. Okay. So, context. Matthew 28, there is a mission from God. The Spirit fills us when we get saved. The Spirit promises to gift us as we participate in this mission. Here are some of the gifts. Got it. Now, the question I hear a lot in response to this reality presented is, okay, I, I get the spiritual gifts are real. I might not always feel comfortable talking about it. Um, I get that it's real, um, and we've all been gifted. Okay, I, I acknowledge that. But the question really remains, how do I know, right? How do I know which gift I have? How do I know which gifts I've been given? I get that gifts were given to help build the church and carry out our assigned mission in his great commission. And I acknowledge that God 
The God of the universe now occupies my heart and empowers me to play my part in this great work. But how do I know where I fit in? And what gift I have been given? Is it just one? Got a bunch? Can I just pull it out and use it whenever I want? Do I have to say some magic words? Is there like a wand involved? How does this gift work, right? Good question. Let me explain. I believe that there are two key observables that will help you identify your gift or your gifts. And just a disclaimer, none, none of this is science, okay? It's not like we got a secret code book that we fill out and all of a sudden you know what's going on. There's no formula to follow. God will do what God wants in and through us for as long as he wants. You can't force it. You can't fabricate it. But I do believe there are a few things to look for. And these are things I've seen in my own life and in my lives of others. There are a few things that you can look for to help you understand how God wants to use you most in his great mission on earth. So if you want to discover your gift or gifts, the first observable to look for is simply the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Where have you seen God's kingdom come in and through your life the most? In ways that are obviously beyond your own abilities. What do I mean by this? Let me explain. So, again, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, to make disciples, is essentially what we have been charged to do. It's why we're still here as God's people instead of getting saved and immediately teleporting up to heaven like Jesus did. The mission is why we're still here, and the mission is our job. Now, the byproduct of joining in this mission, this supernatural mission of God, is the kingdom of God. What does this mean? Talking moats, castles, crowns? Good question. The kingdom of God is essentially when heaven meets earth as God's mission takes new ground. And this kingdom is revealed any time Jesus reigns supreme in our lives. It's his kingdom. He's king. So when we acknowledge his reign and his rule in our moments, in our relationships, in our motivations, when we live like he is king on the throne and obey his commands, it's there that we find his kingdom come. And so it's there when we live our lives in alignment with his way, when we submit to his goodness, as we push forward with urgency and intention, his great mission, it's there we most often find our gifts. Why? Because the gifts are for the mission, to build up his church and expand his kingdom. So, if you want to know your gift, simply ask yourself this question. Where have you seen people come to know God better through your life? Where have you seen people come to know God better through your life? Where have you seen what you'd expect heaven to be like in the end when all things are made new? Where have you seen heaven come most in your interactions with others? In what ways do you most often reveal what God is like to those around you in ways that are, again, obviously beyond your own abilities? The question on the screen. Where have you seen God's kingdom come most in your life? Think about it. As I think back on my former pastor who prophetically passed on this message of God for me, there was no way that his skill 
or his intuition or his talent could have made that happen. No, God's presence was obviously with him in the message. Why? So I might better understand my place within the mission and his kingdom. The gifts build the church and they expand the kingdom. The gifts build the church and expand the kingdom. So where have you seen God's kingdom come in your life? In ways that can't be explained. This is your first observable to pay attention to. I know for me, and I say this with open hands uh, and humility, that for me when I think about this, well, I have some maybe, well, I'm capable as a communicator and a teacher. While I'm capable and I have some leadership skills and I'm more than happy to serve people, I don't believe that those abilities are like spiritual gifts for me. I don't have the gift of healing yet. I don't have the gift of speaking in tongues yet. I don't have the gift of interpreting unknown languages yet. Some of the more miraculous things that we see in Corinthians. No, but for me, when I look back and I see God moving in significant ways through my life, and I see his kingdom come around me, I actually find it most in these simple moments where I get to help people see what's possible or what could be in their life. See, I, I love the future. I always have, and I believe that God has given me the ability to help people dream. God has given me the ability to help people discover and see how God might use them from here to heaven. And now some, some might place this gift, whatever it's called, within what Paul calls an apostolic gifting. I'm not saying that I'm an apostle, but rather I see God's kingdom break in most. I see his mission advance when I help people chart a course, when I help people heed a call for what's next. And I didn't ask for it. I didn't earn it. But once I saw God using me in this way, I continued to desire it. And I ask for it. And I ask God to strengthen me in it. And here's what's cool. The more I pursue the gift to serve others, the more I experience the peace of God personally. And the more I begin to feel like the me I was always meant to be. And this brings us up to observation number two, observable number two, experiencing your, identifying your spiritual gift, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. So what, the kingdom of God and the fruit of the Spirit, what do I mean? I believe that you can identify your gift in the moments you feel most alive or in the moments you experience the greatest fruit of the Holy Spirit supernaturally moving for your life. In the moments where you choose to feel love independent of what you get out of it. In the moments you feel joy independent of circumstance. In the moments you experience peace that transcends understanding. When you find patience in moments of stress. When you are kind and good and faithful and gentle with self-control, not out of discipline, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. You'll find your gift in the moments you see greatest fruit from the Spirit of God that calls your heart home. And maybe for you, maybe for you, it's, it's those moments in prayer together. Maybe it's in nature. You're out. Yesterday we went to the beach. We went to Zuma Beach for the first time. Oh, I want to go back today, but I got sunburn already. So maybe it's in nature that you feel God's, the fruit of God's Spirit greatest is in nature. Maybe it's at church. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's painting. Maybe it's building a table. 
Maybe it's helping friends move or fixing a car or hanging with your kids. I don't know. But we all have places that we feel most alive. We all have places where we feel most at peace with God. Again, for me, I find myself, I feel most myself sitting across the table from someone dreaming about what could be in their life. I feel like I'm running on all cylinders when I get to talk about the future, friends. I'm not anxious, I don't get cranky, I'm not looking at the clock. I'm present, I am patient, and I am excited, and I can see the fruit of the Spirit of God flowing out from my life when I get to step into this practice. Now, if you put me at a baby shower, less fruit, okay? You put me camping with friends, less fruit. I'm just gonna say it. Glamping, I might be okay, but you put me out in a tent in the middle, when I have a bed at home, less fruit. You put me in front of Netflix, scrolling on the internet, less fruit. Why? Because that's not why I'm alive. But what about you? Think back. What do you observe? Where do you feel most alive and empowered by the spirit that's within you? Think about it, because it's in the intersection, friends, of seeing the kingdom come around you while feeling most alive with the spirit within you that you'll likely find your gifts from God. Let me say that one more time. It is in the intersection of seeing the kingdom come around you while feeling most alive in the spirit within you that you find your gift from God. A gift that God wants you to discover. This is not hidden. God wants you to know why you're alive. God wants you to discover and use, and use this gift for his glory and for our good. And so think about that for a moment. What do you see at the intersection of his kingdom and your fruit? What do you see at the intersection? I think about someone we just heard it a moment ago, like Katie Seelander, right? I think about her life, and I don't want to put her in a box and assume that, that God only wants to use her in a certain way, but, but she comes alive through the way she serves the poor and the way God uses her to help encourage the church and share the good news of Jesus to the world. I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to think that God has given her the spiritual gift of service, mercy, hospitality. Same with um, Lois, where are you at? Hey, Lois, hi. You paying attention? You good? Lois called me on Sunday afternoon. I didn't answer the phone because I was sick and I was in bed. But she called me, why? Because she wanted to know if I needed food. Has anyone ever been called by Lois to see if they need anything? Raise your hand. I wouldn't hesitate to believe that God moves powerfully through Lois's gift of hospitality. I think about someone like Russ Coffin. And again, I don't want to put him in a box, but when he prays, y'all, things happen. Things happen. When he prays, and I don't, I don't know if that would be the gift of faith or knowledge or prophecy. I, there's a lot of options here. I just know that God's kingdom comes when he opens his mouth to pray. And he comes alive in prayer. The, the fruit of the Spirit of God pours out of him, and the church is encouraged. And his kingdom is revealed. But what about you? We're just about done. What about you? How have you seen God move through your life? And when do you feel most alive? Because it's there that God wants to use you most for his mission. It's there that God wants to focus your heart and your mind so the world might come to know him through your life. 
So take a second. How have you seen God move through you, and where do you feel most alive? And as we close, I, I just want to say one more time for good measure that God has gifted you. God has gifted you. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, then the power of God lives within you, and he has given you a gift. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, what you know or you don't. I don't care if you feel broken. I do care if you feel broken, but you know what I'm saying. I don't care about the circumstances surrounding your situation. The reality is God is with you. He has filled you with power, and he wants to use your life for great things. And he has given you a gift. You are the church of Jesus Christ. You are his people. You are his family from here to heaven, but here and now we have some work to do. Work that only we can do because God made us that way and gifted us accordingly. I can't do what you've been gifted to do like you can. Just like you can't do what Tyla has been gifted to do the way she can. Right? Just like Tyla can't do what Stephanie has been gifted to do like she had. We've all been given the same assignment Matthew chapter 28, and we've all been filled with the same spirit. And yeah, we're all on the same team that's been playing for more than 2,000 years, but God made us a body with many parts where we all matter and we're all essential and we're all gifted to make the most of our time on earth and to show the world what God is like. So how have you, friends, seen God's kingdom come most through your life? How have you seen God's kingdom come, and when do you see the greatest fruit from his spirit? Because it's there that you'll find how God wants to use your life. How God wants to use your life to help change the world. So as we close this message, I'd like to read from Peter, 1 Peter, one more time. The whole of the series in mind, and let me explain, because friends, more than 95% of our city has no idea what we're talking about. This is why we're doing this series in the first place. 95% of our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers, 95% of the people outside of these doors, and some of them in, don't understand the same hope that we have found. And they don't have the same spirit and power that we do, but God, in his greatest dream for the 95%, is that we, the 5%, would go and make disciples. Is that we would go and, and, and show them what God is really like. That we would get off our butts and get in the game to show them the goodness of God and invite them into a better way. This is God's heart for the world and his expectation for us, his church. And he has given us everything we need. Y'all think about that for a second. God has given us the power of his spirit to go and play the game like he would. God has given us everything we need to go and join his mission and bring his kingdom. So with all that in mind, as we close, I just want to read 1 Peter chapter 4 one more time. It says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak, as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then, 
Everything you do will bring glory to God. The word glory means to reveal God to the world the sum total of what God is like to the world, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you believe in us, that you care for us, that you've invested in us. God, we are not a safe bet. It doesn't make any sense why you would do 